This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. In the news this month, K2 is forced to hibernate, a particle appears in Antarctica, and a new scale for close encounters. You're no doubt familiar with the Kepler spacecraft that was launched back in 2009 to find exoplanets using the transit method. Its job was to stare at a single patch of sky over many years to find out if exoplanets were common in our galaxy. And the answer to that question is yes. After its second reaction wheel failed in 2012, Kepler could no longer maintain its stable pointing, and so the craft was repurposed as the K2 mission. This is presently undertaking a variety of 90-day campaigns across the night sky, using a combination of the remaining two wheels and onboard fuel to point the telescope. But now, Kepler is running on empty. At the start of July, NASA controllers received a warning that the craft is now running very low on fuel. The remaining reserves are expected to be fully depleted in the next few months. As the craft is in an Earth-trailing orbit, any kind of resupply is impossible. So the priority of the mission team now is to retrieve the data currently on the spacecraft and then undertake final observations fuel permitting. For now, the spacecraft is parked, effectively hibernating, in a so-called no-fuel-use safe mode. On August 2nd, it should wake up, orient its antenna towards Earth, and beam down the data, which can then be picked up by NASA's Deep Space Network, a network of radio receivers in the US, Spain, and Australia. If this is successful, the 19th and most likely final observing campaign will commence on August 6th. In the meantime, scientists are continuing to mine existing data already on the ground. Among other findings, recently 24 new planet discoveries were made using data from K2 Campaign 10, adding to the spacecraft's growing bounty of 2,650 confirmed planets. This treasure trove will likely keep us busy for many years to come. Last September, an observatory in the Antarctic detected a single particle. This particle was a high-energy neutrino, picked up by the IceCube Neutrino Observatory, a cubic kilometres worth of ice embedded with over 5,000 optical sensors, constantly looking for the Cherenkov radiation produced by a neutrino interacting with baryonic matter. As they only interact via the weak nuclear force, such events are extremely rare. IceCube is able to spot one every few minutes or so, but these events are typically low energy, usually from cosmic rays striking particles in the Earth's atmosphere and creating a shower of decay products, including neutrinos. We know that the Sun can also generate neutrinos directly, as can violent astronomical events such as supernovae, but this still doesn't account for the whole population. The single neutrino picked up in September 2017 had an energy of 300 tera electron volts, 46 times more energetic than the particle circulated by the LHC. Hence, it had to be extragalactic in origin. Astronomers now think they know where September's neutrino came from, however, thanks to multi-messenger astronomy. By combining IceCube's observation with some rapid X-ray follow-up, nine sources of energetic X-rays were observed. One of these was a blazar, a giant elliptical galaxy with a supermassive, rapidly spinning black hole at its core. This blazar designated TXS 0506 plus 056, 
was observed to be flaring, releasing more X-rays and gamma rays than usual. Over the next few days, astronomers looked at the gamma ray emission of the blazar, as observed by the Fermi telescope, and searched through IceCube's archival data, spanning nine and a half years. The team found that the blazar had been unusually active, and that an excess of high-energy neutrinos had been observed coming from the direction of the blazar. This would suggest, if not outright confirm, that blazars can be a source of high-energy cosmic neutrinos, a success for the burgeoning field of multi-messenger neutrino astronomy. And finally, if you saw a story about aliens on TV or online, how excited would you be? Here's a more subtle question for you. If you saw a story about aliens on TV or online, how excited should you be? To answer this question, the Rio scale is used, a tool used by astronomers searching for extraterrestrial intelligence to help communicate to the public how excited they should be about what has been observed. The scale measures the consequences for humans if the signal really is from aliens, as well as the probability that the signal is genuinely extraterrestrial, and not a natural phenomenon or human-made. The scale gives a score between 0 and 10, so that the public can quickly see how important a signal really is. However, there have been many dubious signals reported as aliens over the years, and learning the truth about these stories is becoming increasingly difficult. As such, an updated Rio scale is required. A team of international researchers, led by scientists from the University of St Andrews and the SETI Institute in Mountain View, California, is now taking on this task. The new study, led by Dr Duncan Forgan at the University of St Andrews Centre for Exoplanet Science, highlights the changing nature of news media, the growth of 24-hour news, and the new landscape of social media. Coupled with an increase in efforts to detect extraterrestrial intelligence by teams around the world, the Rio scale is now needed more than ever, and it must remain relevant when communicating to the public about alien signals. The lead author on the study, Dr. Forgan, had this to say. It's absolutely crucial that when we talk about something so hugely significant as the discovery of intelligent life beyond Earth, we do it clearly and carefully. Having Rio 2.0 allows us to rank a signal quickly in a way that the general public can easily understand, and helps us keep their trust in a world filled with fake news.